hey, you know what I believe? I believe every single person can make a difference and that we all have something amazing to offer the world. I believe in standing up for what matters and in putting one foot in front of the other. I believe courage is way more important than confidence and I'm addicted to seeing people break through what they once thought they couldn't. And that's why I started this podcast. I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to know that anything's possible. I want you to find the courage to stand up and do your thing. Everything's waiting for you. You just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where your courageous life starts. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. Hope you've had a fantastic week. Before we start, I just want to thank you for joining me every week because I don't know how many of you are out there listening, but um, even if this podcast is reaching one person and changing one person and inspiring them to believe that they can, then as far as I'm concerned, that's a massive success. But if there's more than one of you, thank you so much. Um, This one today is for the mums. Now, you know, there's nothing worse than being dragged off to work when you don't want to go to work, when you've got small kids to look after and you really wish that you could do something from home. And it's not impossible. There's a lot of mums doing things from home. But my ne- my guest today, Jan Cavell, is um, amazing. And she just, you know, in desperation, I guess, to feed uh, kids, she started a business and... Um, from home and I don't want to spoil it for you but I do want you to know that uh, you can start a small business from home and you can turn it into a well a, a, a very big number and we'll find that out in a minute. So let me introduce you to Jan Cavell. So as a teenager Jan went to a very posh UK boarding school which groomed young ladies for marriage. Failing to be groomed, Jan progressed to London and became a suitable secretary, which lasted about a week. With a keen desire to be independent, Jan started working away through a succession of jobs, finding secretarial work a nightmare, but sales very easy. She hated being employed and at the mercy of the decisions and expectations of others, so initiated a series of hustles from selling to catering. She travelled around Europe and had a memorable job as a cook, but also found some excitement in taking an old ferry boat for a test sail to see if it was seaworthy. Well, she wasn't. A marriage left Jan with two small kids to support and very little experience to do so. Refusing to go out to work and leave them, she started a small business, telephone selling bits and pieces to interior designers operating from a shelf under the stairs of her tiny cottage. After a lot of mistakes and crazy gambles, it succeeded and became a multi-million pound business. The designers wanted furniture, but as Jan was no furniture designer, she put a sales hat on, looked at what sold, and developed her current ranges, earning herself the honourable title of designer. Despite awards and exciting experiences, Jan still struggled with insecurity and imposter syndrome. Once her son had left for Australia, she struggled to scale the business, not having the same motivation she had with small kids to support, and after several years and progressively worse health, decided to break it up and sell the only bit worth having, which was the brand. It took Jan quite a while to crawl back out of a hole after that, but she decided she wasn't beaten. She had always wanted to write since she was so small. Jan's first book, Scale for Success, Expert Insights into Growing Your Business, is due to be released in 2021 after winning a contract with Bloomsbury Publishing. 
So it's full circle for Jan, her childhood dream out of the ashes. How you going, Jan? I am okay. Thank you, Karen. And thank you very, very much for having me on today. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. So you're coming from the UK and is it cold over there? It, it's getting that way. It's So far, it's a fairly mild November, but I'm not a winter person. I'm not fond of it, I must admit. Ah, uh, no. Well, we've just come out of it now. We just we just had a beautiful day today. So we've had um, a lot more rain than normal. So uh, I'm not going to complain about that with my donkeys and cows. You've got donkeys. I've got, oh, wonderful. Yeah, two rescue donkeys and five rescue cows oh. and we usually we live in a drought area, so we're usually on dirt. And this year we've been on green grass, and it's wow, it's been beautiful. Oh, fabulous for them. Yeah, I know. So we won't whinge about the rain, will we? No, no, you <laughs> need to type there. Exactly. Well, your story is absolutely fascinating, and, and you know and that's why I connected with you. It's just um, an amazing story, and I think that uh, you know, as I said earlier when I was introducing you. Um, before we talked about you, I was, you know, introducing that for mums out there, you know, sometimes we feel a little uh, trapped, you know, at home with kids and, and feel like we don't want to go to work. We just want the, to be at home with the kids. And you, your story is just incredible um, about how you achieve that. But um, before you got to that, um, you know, as in the intro, you know, you went to a posh school and uh, to get groomed for marriage. What, what, a, what a fantastic school. Really? No, it wasn't fantastic no, at all. No, I'm joking. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was really outdated. I mean, even, you know, I'm getting on a bit and it was outdated back then. It was it was a real relic of a school where sort of, you know, it, it took these girls from supposedly posh backgrounds to, um, you know, and, and they do, you know, education was was sort of not really what we understand by education nowadays i mean if you if you can believe it we didn't even have a science department you oh, know wow. science was wasn't for girls um you know you were taught deportment and things instead <laughs> <laughs> which is just crazy um oh. so um yeah and i and it was quite hot on games and I, i'd been quite a sickly child so i was always lost for class which um you know put, puts you off games a bit when you're always the last one um mm. you know so uh, so i didn't have have a, a great time um i didn't like it and and i i didn't relate to it to be honest i i, I couldn't get my head around the values of it at all Mm. Um, you know, I'd been a big reader as a child, hence, hence my love of books, and you know, read sort of all strangers, all sorts of strange, fairly rebellious um, types of literature. You know, sort of starting with Katie Did, if anybody ever re- reads that anymore, but you know, sort of um, early American literature that mm. um, was all about sort of anything from standing up and being heard, really. Um, oh, good. You know, and of course, that was complete antithesis to a school that believed, well, you know, ladies should shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think I would have done very well at that school. <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly didn't. No. Why did you go there? Lack of choice. I mean, you just you sort of what your parents said and, yeah. uh, you know. It was it was local, um, you know. So in theory, one could go home at um, some weekends. Um, wow, 
Gee, those those schools. We used to be threatened with boarding school when we were kids. <clears throat> we had a couple of schools nearby. Oh, well, not nearby, but you know, an hour away, and we'd be driving home from. Melbourne from the city and we'd be threatened if you don't behave yourself I'm going to drop you off at the boarding school and we used to poop our pants (laughs) you really went though (laughs) it's a horrendous uh it's a horrendous one yeah I mean I was sent to one before then I was sent to uh one at sort of about between somewhere between around about nine I was sent to what they call a pre-prep boarding school over here um, you know, and that was that was completely the other side of the country, and you know, I saw my parents at half term. Yeah, you know, it's very cruel. It um, is cruel, isn't it? Was that? And I, I think I'm not not pro them. Mm, was that because um, your parents like this? Is you know, I've talked a lot about this lately, just on on my own videos on Facebook. My parents were fantastic, but I think that um, you know, I think we've got to be forgiving in some instances because I think parents, you know. They they do what they think is protecting you, or or do what they do is th- do what they think is going to benefit you long term. But it's um, you know, I think we lose the connection when things like that happen. Like for you, you know, going off to a boarding school, and I, I you know, I'm not making judgments to people who do that, but I reckon you're better off. Uh, kids are better off with their parents personally. I I do too in many ways. Um, you know, I, I appreciate that. You know, it it was a very very different generation thing, and you know, it was still sort of aspirational then. I mean, mm. and now it still is, I suppose, to to some sectors now. Um, you know, but um, in fairness, my parents were um, very much older. I was a sort of um, very late surprise, <laughs> um, and uh, so um, and my father was quite ill by that time. So it, you know, it was uh, it was easier, I think, for them to, to for me to go to public school. But it was very much expected. Yeah, yeah, that's a shame, isn't it? And and so being groomed for marriage, like, um, how did you feel about that? Did you think, yeah, this is good? I don't really like school, but that's fine. I'll get married and I'll do what I'm told I to do. D- well, I see. I sort of felt mixed about it. I mean, I because I, you know, yes, I did. It had got sufficiently into my head that you know I wanted a cottage and two beautiful, well, permanently well-behaved children and roses <laughs> around the door. You know, so I, it was the ideal had sunk in. Um, but on the other hand, you know, I didn't want to go into the system. I mean, um, we still had, I don't, I don't know if it exists anymore, but what they call the sort of debutante seasons yeah. and all that yeah. over here in those days, you know, and some of the girls from the school were doing that. And, you know, they literally, you know, were sort of force fed through as many parties and um, things as possible to meet as many suitable men. And that just, uh, you know, all that I find I've found absolutely abhorrent. And mm. I really didn't, want to go I mean it was terribly expensive so there was no no question of me doing it either but you know I just didn't want to go that route and it was I, I didn't really for, for, again it came back to values I didn't get what was going on about you know people only being okay if they came from a right place. So it, it just was all a mystery to me. I didn't get it. Mm. <laughs> didn't get it at all. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? But you still got married. You, you, so you got married and had two lovely kids. And I did have two lovely kids and I did get married briefly. Um, <laughs> but um, but not, I mean, not to somebody who came from that background, um, you know, because um, I, I was still rebelling. 
Um, and the only drawback with that, with that was he wanted to come from that sort of background, which I really hadn't appreciated. And I wanted to get out of that sort of background, mm. which didn't make a very good basis for marriage. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, I had, I had the children and, and that, was, that was lovely. And as I say, that had been a, a big sort of um, thing I'd wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but but the marriage came to a sticky end when they were still sort of only about seven and five, something like that. Quite very young. Yeah. Are they are they two boys? Was it two? No, I've got a boy and a girl. Okay. Um, and the, and the boys. My in... boy is, as you know, is over in lives in Australia now. He's got Australian citizenship. Yeah. Yeah. And the, your daughter still lives in UK. In Scotland, yeah. In Scotland. Wow, I've been to Scotland and, well, I've been to both, but I remember going to Edinburgh Castle. And, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. And it yeah, was beautiful city, Edinburgh. A typical day, drizzly, cold, wet, buddy. You know, I could hardly see the castle on the hill. Yep. Do you know? <laughs> I don't think I have ever been in Edinburgh when it hasn't been like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, but it's actually, um, you know, speak. I don't know whether you you feel this whether because you come from there. But I, when I went, I went around um, UK, so you know, England, Scotland, Wales, and it was bloody haunted. There were so many damn ghosts in in because I stayed in a lot yeah. of those old hotels, you know, and upstairs in the hotel, you know, where the um one just a little bedroom and then you shared the bathroom and you know and during the night yeah, the bathroom door was banging but there was no other guests and it was just me and the blinds would flick up <laughs> and holy shit it was scary but oh, and I was on my own. I went around, <laughs> I went around bloody um Britain on my own. And uh that well, that in itself is pretty brave. Yeah, well, and I went to the Greek islands on my own. I did, I did a bit, a bit of um. Yeah, I just wanted to do that, and I, I remember there were so many beautiful things, you know, like Lake Windermere and you know, and, and Edinburgh and beautiful places. Yeah. But the ghosts, you know, they they I I only have fond memories of the trip, but but I will never forget them, and particularly in Glasgow. Um, my God, they were rampant. They were just running wild up and really? down the bloody hall. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I was lying there thinking, oh. I don't know where you were in Glasgow. I've only stayed in Glasgow once. So uh, oddly enough, my son got, uh, despite the fact he lives in Australia and his wife's American, he, he um, got married in Glasgow. But um, oh wow! But I, I didn't notice the ghost. No, well, you then, probably didn't stay in a dodgy. A booze at a wedding. <laughs> yeah, and you probably didn't stay in a dodgy little cheap buddy. I was travelling on my well, own and I I was young, you know, 28, so I was sort of, yeah, I know. you know, uh, you know, as cheap as I could bloody find at the top. Of it. Uh, oh, I do know. I do know. I did something similar. I mean, again, avoiding the sort of whole issue of what was going on prior to, prior to meeting my husband. I told my parents, who were still sort of tied up in my father not being well and things, I told them that I'd got a train ticket and um, <laughs> friends to stay with in Europe, so I was going travelling, which, of course, I didn't have any such thing, and I hitched around Europe oh, no. <laughs> which <laughs> was uh, fairly fairly dangerous uh, fairly much of an experience yeah. 
<laughs> so yes, I know about dodgy places. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I think that's the only time I felt lonely. You know, I've I had a wonderful time on my own, and it was in Glasgow. And I went to a pizza pizza place, and sitting there at a table yeah. all by myself, which normally I'm so cool with. You know, I don't care that I'm on my own. But just this one night, I just felt lonely, and I, I don't know whether I just had enough of the ghost buddy haunting me, or or, or whether it just hit that <laughs> point. But anyway, no. Anyways, beautiful, beautiful, and um, my 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 um, heritage is is Wales and England, so yeah. But any, right. anyway, um, so so you, your daughter's still there, and so tell us about um, you know, because this is where the fun really starts, where you like you because before <laughs> you're only bucking the system, you know, and and, yeah. and getting the shits on and saying no, I don't, I don't want to do this <laughs> this life. But then you get married, and then it's kind of like prickly, you know. You want his life, he wants your life, whatever. And you got the two kids, but then what? How did it? Um, what about the challenges and? fears about becoming a single mum and, and guys hang in there because you, this is a where she ends up getting to is wow wow ching ching you got no idea but but <laughs> you know we're we're still at the uh challenges and fears of a single mum huh? so you were you earning an income at that point no I wasn't um at all I was on income support because, um, as I say, having not married the somebody pot um, from the um, suitable circuit, <laughs> he didn't uh, have any cash to speak of. So um, I was I was really stuck, um, and um, so so no, I had to do something um, to earn money as, as at the same time as looking after the children. And um, things were a bit more flexible in those days. Now I went to the income support people, and I said, you know. Um, look, you know, I, I want to, to do something for myself, get a business off the ground and um, of some sort. And, you know, but I'm going to need you to keep paying me while you do it. And they actually let me do that, which I don't think they probably do nowadays, wow. um, you know, for a limited period of time. So they gave me a, a bit of an income while I started something. Because yeah. in avoiding doing the right thing prior to marriage, I tended to also avoid, avoid very traditional employment. Mm. Um, so I was quite used to working, doing sort of strange gigs for myself, be it, you know, selling sandwiches around offices or selling wine on the phone or yeah. all sorts of things. So luckily I was fairly sort of adaptable and didn't bolt too much about the idea of, of running a business on my own. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I thought, well, you know, what can I do? I've got these children. I don't want to go the route of putting them into, into into sort of daycare or something um you know while I go out to work I don't want to be on income support forever and not be able to give them the things I want to do mm. the option is to do something that I can do at home um you know while I look after them at the same time mm. so um I thought well I'll, I'll I'll sell things to interior designers because we'd done a bit of that when I was married with my ex um, and I can buy furniture locally and, and flog it to designers. Um, so I, I sort of set up this office, which was a shelf under the stairs <laughs> love um, that. with a fax phone, <laughs> literally, um, you know, because it was pre-computer days. Yeah. And I'd buy um, the sort of yellow pages, the tradey pages, um, you know, sort of every Friday out of my gyro check, I'd buy another one to get contacts. Um, and I, I telephone sold all day. 
which which was fine, you know, because um, I could break it. And the children were really good about it because they grew up understanding, you know, mummy works. You know, we would sort of trade off time and, and you know, I would I would take them to the park and leave on my aunt's phone most John saying, you know, I'm sorry, I'm in a meeting right now. Um, you know, mm. and they would have their time and I would have work time. Um, and, and like I said, they were... They were tremendously good from a, from a young age about it, um, but so so yeah, I, I you know I struggled with this thing um, to get it off the ground, and to cut a long story short, um, I ended up manufacturing stuff myself because I couldn't buy it in. Yeah. Um, which started with a friend in a, a friend, another friend's barn, back corner of, and ended up with a small industrial unit, and it grew. And it grew some more. And in the end, we ended up with um, two factories and over 40 people at one stage and um, a, a sort of couple of million plus turnover. Well, yeah. Did you hear that, guys? A couple of million plus. Yeah. It's uh, so starting as a Harry Potter, you know, business uh, <laughs> under the stairwell. <laughs> It was it was quite a Harry Potter stairwell, I must admit. <laughs> I, I um when I first read that, I thought I, all I could see was Harry Potter under there scheming, you know, and making calls. But... <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> uh, but do, do you have to um? I, I do want to come back to that how you scaled it up. But you you so over here we've got well we don't have it anymore because we've got you know telephones we've got the phones with um all that information on it but we had a telephone book and it had the white pages in the front which was the residential stuff and it had the yellow That's pages what, yeah. in the back yeah. did you didn't you have that like did you have to buy individual sheets is that what you're saying we, we had to buy they had um the trade ones and the private ones split into two books going oh. back that far and each area of the country had its own um, directory. So I think there were about, I can't remember in the end, I think there were about 50 or 60 directories, you know, sort of maybe, I think there were about 12 for London alone. Wow. So each one cost about a fiver or something, you know, yeah. as I say, and I bought one of those every week. <laughs> so I had this enormous stack of, of them and going through all the interior designers and to contact and you just cold call them and just ring them up? And... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'd used the last bit of my credit card, um, and it really was the last bit, to, to produce a very tatty leaflet with some even worse drawings on. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if, if people were interested, I'd send them out one of those, which, again, had to wait till the gyro check came through for a pile to go out to pay the postage. But, you know, got there. Wow, it's am- yeah, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, most people are scared of sales. You know, I'm I'm not good. I can <clears throat> I can flog anybody else's stuff, you know, and tell everyone how good so- something else is, but I can't do it for myself, <laughs> you know. And there's a lot of people that are really, you know, uh, I don't know if it's scared of sales, but you know, they still got that uh, feeling like I have, you know, that it's a a dirty word, you know, you know, and there's a lot of um, pushiness attached to it. And I guess you, you get that image of the used car salesman, do, you know, and you, you, it's really hard to put yourself out there. But you seem to do it easy. You, 
like I well I think it was a combination of things I mean I think when you're you you mess around and you bounce from job to job which you, you know I did when I was younger yeah. sales is often one of the ones that you fall into mm. um you know because there are lots of sales jobs going because it's always high turnover um and telephone sales and commission sales that of course they they struggle to get people to do yeah so there's usually work out there if you happen to have run out yet again of sort of more suitable work yeah Wow. So I had had some experience. Um, but um, yeah, I totally agree with you. And actually, later on, when I sort of got to teach sales myself, you know, it, it, it was something this image of sales, which is so bad is something I, I really fight against, but it's got an atrocious image. Mm. Um, but for people who struggle with doing it, the first thing I'd say is, is, is try it on the phone first, because a lot of it is about, um, you know, this fear of rejection that we all have, mm. which is completely understandable um, and normal and human or 99% of us have, yeah. um, you know, but at least they're not, you don't have to worry about them looking at you <laughs> and rejecting you. You know, it's only, it's only you done, you know, you done the phone and that's, that's easier to handle, I think. That's a good point. Um, and that's certainly how I did it. When I went out on the road in those early days, which I did in the end, I did as little as possible because it was horrendously expensive to do because I had to get um, babysitters to do mm. it um, with the kids and I couldn't afford it. So, I mean, I'd do anything to talk myself out of, of going to meet a prospective client. But just occasionally I did and I hated it. I mean, I, at that stage, I was still as anti-sales as, as you describe, mm. you know, and they'd sort of call you in and tell you to stand in the corner and, you know, give us a spiel. I just wanted the floor to swallow me up. I loathed it at that point. But, you know, focused, had to do it, had to do it for the children. Yeah, and that's it too. You had the, the, the two kids depending on you. And it's, um, yeah. I think that's the difference, isn't it? When you've, when you're fighting for something bigger than you, you know, you'll find, you'll find the courage or you'll find the, the strength to do it. But when it's just, absolutely, when there's just nothing else, oh, well, I, I might, I could do it or, or I could just do something else. Yeah. You, it, it's very tough to talk yourself into that sort of stuff. But it, it's, and, and I remember doing a, um, a self-defense course once and with these police and they said, um, you know, about single mums, although they just said about mums, you know, that if, if someone's going to break into a house, God help them, if they break into a house of a, of, and go anywhere near kids where there's a mother, you know, and it, it's kind of, it's, it's the same ferocity, isn't it? You know, it's like you yes. do anything, anything that I have to do, even if it's, even if I have to fear, feel, feel rejection, even if I have to put myself in such uncomfortable situations, I'm going to do it for my kids. And I think, um, you know, what choice is there? Absolutely right. I mean, and, you know, and I, I think, oddly enough, the same does, you know, you were saying, hold on there, guys. I think the same applies to the single dads who, who for some reason, have got kids. I think they feel the same way, about, you know, a lot of them, um, you know, uh, about um, fighting fighting for their children. Mm. Um, you know, because, because the, you know, you just look at the kids and look at how upset they are, and, yeah. you know, which they often are and mine certainly were through all the divorce and things and you know and they're on their own and they're defenseless and you know for no way are you going to do anything else but fight to provide yeah and I was just I was just thinking as you're saying that too that there's a lot more um 
you know, men seem to be more comfortable with sales. And, and this is something I've never even thought about is that there's a whole thing about, um, you know, if men have their whole family, like, you know, a partner and kids, they are very, very, um, if they can't provide for their family, they feel worthless, you know, very, very often. Absolutely. So yeah. I guess it's sort of the same thing, isn't it? I'll do anything, you know, to, to provide for my family and not, not feel worthless. So, yeah, I think this, uh, the, the male sense of identity is, is very tied up with being able to provide. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's the sort of caveman instinct, if you like, yeah. but it, it, it's still there. Oh, well, maybe. Um, Gone. Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay, you gone. I was just going to say maybe we better cut them some slack then instead of you know bag bagging <laughs> them out for being pushy salesmen. <laughs> um, well, yeah. I mean, I guess I I think probably it's the case. I mean, I'm sure I was pretty pushy in those days. And you know, I'd make those calls, and you know, it was almost oh, it's you again. You know? <laughs> but yeah, damn right, it's me again. My children need feeding. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Oh, I gotta could take some tips from you. I tell you, I'm shocking. I'm shocking, but I'm getting better. I'm just. Oh well, you're so right about the, you know, the purpose thing. You know, if yeah. if you're doing it for some 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 great reason, or um, you know, if you're doing it um for somebody else, it's so much easier. Yeah, yeah. You know. I'm going to start to reframe why, and even make up a story in my head about why I'm doing it, just to, just to push myself. <laughs> but your, um, you know, your furniture, like um, we were just saying before, and I do want to touch on this because you you pushed and pushed and pushed, and and it became a you know a multi million dollar business, but um, or multi million pounds, so that's even twice as much as our dollar. But um, it's now a, a very very um, what would you say, a prestigious brand in the UK. So Jan Cavell Furniture, you know, I know you don't have anything to do with it now because you ended up selling that brand off, but um, it certainly has held its name and, and, you know, held your name out there as um, prestigious. Yeah, it's it's sort of bizarre. I mean, you know, I find that the actually the, the building up of the brand from sales was was the easiest bit for me. Mm. Um, you know, and it was it was the bit I knew, um, and the whole thing was was fine anyway as long as I had children. But I I lost my way a lot um, not having the children, and and ended up burning out because I didn't really have any reason to do it you know mm. um i think you know you mentioned sort of asking me whether it was about um getting rich it never was for me it, it was purely about the children um mm. you know it, it getting rich was not worth getting out to bed for bed in the morning i mean you go back i could have done that by marrying the right person you know back <laughs> at the school exactly <laughs> much easier <laughs> but, uh, no no inclination whatsoever um so you so you know that wasn't enough and um you know when when the children were gone it, it just didn't really have that much reason and and you felt it you know you should do it um and and should just doesn't doesn't get anybody going no um but where was i going with that but yeah the brand was still um the brand and the designs you know i mean i if you it, it was real imposter stuff and i was aware of it and i suffered from imposter syndrome anyway mm. but um because i came at the designing from a sales angle you know suppose i hadn't gone to some fancy art school or anything else mm. you know and i just i just thought my goodness i've got to come up with um 
you know, furniture designs for this company. And I thought, well, you know, that's easy because you sort of look what, um, I mean, it's a bit bad to selling sandwiches around offices, you know, what are people asking for? Mm. Um, you know, so same principle. So what are they looking for in the way of furniture currently? What's in vogue? Yeah. So I came at it purely from, a, you know, I need to sell lots principle, not I'm a clever designer principle because I wasn't. But the result, oddly enough, was um, that the designs were fearsomely successful because, of course, they were what people wanted, mm. uh, which was was extremely lucky. And so it built built or built the um, brand up to be very well known for its design side. Which um, and and so when I I burnt out and I thought, you know, this is just going downhill, everything's going wrong, I can't do this anymore. Um, the, you know, and I had a couple of tangles with VCs, and um, which weren't right to buy the business and I didn't want to get tied up with long term, all sorts of things. Um, and I thought the only thing to do is just bust the actual manufacturing side and sell the brand because that's the only thing with values in, um, which is exactly what happened in the end. So yeah, the designs and the name, <coughs> excuse me, are still trading, which is so bizarre. You know, you see the sort of um, name out there and it's 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 my name it's it's like it's dislocating i think it's fantastic <laughs> it's it's um did you expect it to get that big or like or were you noticing it was getting that big um and thinking wow this is incredible or were you just thinking this is good i've got security for my kids like were you were you excited that it was building and building and all this money it was, was coming it was in? curious <laughs> uh, it was a curious journey that because at the beginning we stayed quite happily <clears throat> small. I think there was sort of three of us, um, and we stayed like that for quite a while. Which you know, and I could still do the school runs, and yeah. you know everything was hunky dory. There wasn't a lot of money, but there was enough, you know, to to feed us, and the kids were still small. And then what happened in actual fact? We at that stage we were finishing the furniture. And I was buying the sort of raw pieces in for from one local maker, and he turned up on my doorstep one Friday afternoon and rang the doorbell, a bit of a strange guy, um, and he <laughs> said, um, oh, I'm in a terrible state, I'm in a terrible state. So I said, yeah, come in. You know, we're, we're talking Britain here, so, you know, obviously, cup of tea, yeah. cup of tea. Um, <laughs> and uh, he said, I'm sorry, I've, you know, I've got to stop. I can't can't go on with this business any longer. And I'm, I said, okay, fair enough, well, you know, let's talk about it. And he said, no, you don't understand, I'm stopping now. And I went, you know, what about the furniture for next week? No, can't have it. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I went into a complete panic. That was all my, whatever it was, then three or four years, you know, being able to, maybe three, being able to actually provide for the kids mm. up in smoke just in an hour. And so I gave him another cup of tea. With grog in it. Yeah, I said, let's keep talking about this. Um, and <laughs> the long and short of it was we struck a deal that um, I would buy him I. Um, and take over as of that weekend and I could pay him on the never never because it wasn't money for him either yeah, yeah. Um, and sort of pay for his extremely grotty old machinery really and take over he, he had two people working for him yeah so all of a sudden I had two sort of if you like two tiny cottage industries and um, you know which was okay in itself but just geographically because they were an hour away 
um, my kids' school was in the opposite direction. It, it oh. very quickly became impossible. So you had to merge them into one central mm. place. And that meant taking on an industrial unit, mm. which which I had trouble finding anybody you'd give to me because I still haven't got any track record. Finally find somebody who would. Um, somewhere near the middle of these two units but of course you know i i knew nothing i cannot tell you how ignorant i was about all this um <laughs> and i just thought well you know we'll <laughs> we'll move all this you know both lots we'll get a van pack them up it's just like moving house and you know go on working the next day yeah and of course actually moving a factory yeah. <laughs> with machinery isn't quite like that <laughs> And, you know, it hadn't occurred to me that you might need cranes or anything. And nobody told me, you know, to, to move machinery yeah. and goodness knows what else. And, you know, that an empty factory unit actually needs kitting out with cupboards and a few other sort of things. Um, you know, so all of a sudden, you know, I was in so much financial trouble. It wasn't true. I mean, I was broke before, but now I was in real trouble. Mm. And um, I promise you, this is this is all true, because it, I mean I think it's crazy looking back at it. But I, the only place I could borrow money from was one of those ads in the back of a Sunday paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I borrowed to the hilt from there, from one of those at an incredible interest rates. Um, and so you know, knowing I was in even more trouble than I was still the children, I just you know knew I had to sell more and work harder. Mm. Um, and I didn't tell anybody because I didn't dare tell the people who were working for me in case they left because I was would be absolutely up a creek if I didn't have them there. Mm. And I didn't dare tell the children, obviously, because they were far too small. So, you know, I literally just had to keep going and make it work and sell, sell, sell. And that, that's exactly what, what happened. Wow. So it was it was real fire by even more desperation. Mm. But but you scaled you you at, at, at I work. Scale. At what I did at scale. what point did it, it flip? You know, and that you just sort of started to take off. Well, I think it, it's sort of twofold. I mean, I, it it seriously flipped. You know, getting the unit and you know because there were only the sort of five of us there in the first place, but the unit we got had plenty of room, so there was room to grow it. it you know, for a while in that unit. Um, you know, and because I was just selling so manically, but I, I guess in the, the, the sort of preceding years, I probably had learned certainly about design and mm. things, um, you know, and I'd built up my yellow page contracts and, and one thing and another, you know, I guess it, it took a first leap there and it started to do this very strange thing of making money, mm. um, which I wasn't accustomed to at all. Um, of course, we had the huge back debt, but, you know, as I say, that was between me and the Sunday papers. Nobody knew about that. <laughs> well, you must have wiped them out, that debt. <laughs> I, I did eventually, but, I mean, it, it took me 10 years. Yeah, but 10 years isn't bad to come up with a multi-million dollars, like, that's not bad. Well, no, it, I mean it was it was it was a big debt. It wasn't the debt wasn't multi millions, but it was a big debt, and it, it was a long ten years, and it was a great relief because I could imagine they were the type of sort of people who would turn pretty unpleasant if you owed. Yeah, I can imagine too. Yeah, mm. here's our Sunday Sunday paper ad, but uh, watch your knees. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, I reckon. Oh, well. So when did you end up selling selling your brand and, you know, that, that whole business? That was when I finally gave up, as I say. I mean, I debated it. I spent probably far too long. I mean, it's a huge mistake. If, if you've, if you know, and it, one of the many pieces of advice I'd offer somebody else is, you know, if, if, if you think you really don't want to be in a business anymore, don't even hesitate to get out fast because mm. I debated it on this I should go on with it for five or six years mm. which which did the business and me no good at all really really bad news mm. it ran the business down and my health went right down um so and as I say in, in on the interim because people hear when you're getting restive as a business owner so sharks begin to circle a bit yeah. and you know various um sort of asset stripping low um, businessmen in in the uh, region and um, a couple of VCs got to hear about it and you know only only one of them was a nice guy only one deal I regret not taking but the rest of them I'm so glad I didn't because I would have just got into more trouble you know there was more small print that they would have had you tied up mm. paying all the businesses debts for nothing for years and um, you know, or anything that went wrong, your fault and one thing or another. That's the trouble. It's very difficult to, to get rid of a business like that. Mm. Um, you know, so it was, it was the only thing to do was to just run the actual manufacturing side down. And one of my competitors, um, you know, said, said he was interested and he was willing to take on the best of, um, you know, so... You know, it was just an easy way out. And I, thought, I suddenly thought, thank goodness for that. I can walk, you know, I can just walk away. Mm. You know, yes, it's going to be horrendous doing that after everything. But rather that now, you know, because if I go on another day, I'm going to jump off a cliff. To be honest, I'd, I'd really got that far. Wow. It's, um, so. it's amazing. I mean, it's amazing what you did, you know, and... and uh, I don't know, like getting off the bench, but it was sort of through desperation. But what what an incredible feat! But you you really did it um, out of desperation. You really did it because you just had to do it. But so it wasn't really a passion project, was it? It was a, a no, need no, need wasn't. to project. But that's absolutely right. Yeah. No, my passion. I mean, had I had I studied remotely at school, or even been offered the opportunity to study very much at school, for what I wanted to do initially was was write. I'm in, firstly I wanted to be a journalist, and there was no chance of that because I didn't have the qualifications. Yeah. Um, and but you know, with my passion for books, having been a sickly child, etc., you know, I was I just desperately wanted to write. And in the last few years of a business, um, I'd seen an ad for. Um, business publication that we have over here um, called called Real Business, which is an SME publication, and um, they were they were advertising for people who are a couple of people who are running businesses and willing to do articles about the reality of what it's like. Yeah. Um, and because they get obviously loads of press releases about you know how so and so is wonderful. But they don't um, often get the reality of, of the ups and downs. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that, you know, I thought, God, you know, I'd love to do that. I thought, yeah, I'll never get in the mind of man. But, you know, I was quite used to thinking like that because I've been through all that with, all, you know, sort of business successes mm. and putting my name down for awards and things. Um, but anyway, I shoved a, shoved a ad into this paper. Um, well, not an ad, an application. 
um, and lo and behold, they came back and said, um, yeah, you know, do us a couple of trial articles. Um, and, um, you know, sort of back to, to, to uh, um, you know, Harry Potter and things for, <laughs> for a little while. They, they used to call me Bridget Jones of manufacturing <laughs> <laughs> because I suppose because of the posh background and stuff. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it was a bit strange, this, this old woman, you know, bashing around, talking posh and, and in the manufacturing world because it's, it's a tough world, manufacturing yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, very tough world. Um, but yes, I wrote for them. I had a wonderful editor, um, who I'm still very occasionally in touch with because he's moved on as well. But I had a wonderful editor there who taught me so much about, um, writing and encouraged me. And he was just so nice to me in, in believing in myself in writing. Mm. And I, I, you know, it was something I did during those last five or six years. I just took a couple of hours, you know, out to write every week and, um, it, it, it was what kept me going. It was the two hours I was happy every week. Mm. And were you getting paid for that? Like, No, I wasn't. No. You know, um, it, it was because most people do it, of course, to promote their businesses, yeah. whereas I was doing it as straight therapy. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, and I started doing odd articles elsewhere, which I did get paid for. But um, but my my original application had been for a freebie. And, I, you know, that I would have paid to do it, to be honest, but I really would. Mm. Um, you know, in the beginning, it was just amazing. Well, you I were mean, doing... It saved my, saved my life. Yeah, and you were doing your passion. I mean, it was something you were passionate exactly. about. Exactly. Um, yeah. If only we knew these things, um, you know, like in our 20s, you know, if I do the thing I'm passionate about, you know, <laughs> I'm going to have a much healthier and happier life, but we don't. We, we leave it till, you know, later in life, and then we think, oh... I really want to do this and, uh, you know, we don't want to get to our deathbed and go, oh, I really regret not doing that. But you did find writing. So th- at, at what point did you say, bugger it, I'm going to write a book? Like, <laughs> you know, what? Um, when, when, I, when I walked away from a business, I mean, I was, I was very worried about, you know, the sort of whole kerfuffle with the business because, as I say, nobody wanted um, the actual sort of manufacturing units or, or or um, machinery because you know it was just all a bit grotty and they you know they wanted the designs and the brand so it was going to be a messy wind up um whatever i did mm. you know and so i mean i sort of went home on that last day and you know got sorry dramatic and pulled all the curtains shut and <laughs> thought i'd never get out of bed again and you know <laughs> all the things one does yeah. and um you know and then i woke up almost literally at the next day i think and i thought this isn't right. I feel better. Yeah. <laughs> I feel lots better. Should I be feeling like this? And you know, I was, I was sort of, um, you know, it was, it was very weird. I mean, after after twenty years, you know, it was, you know, what do I do now? Mm. Um, you know, with my time, and I thought, well, you know, I, I have, I am burnt out. I'm not feeling very well, and you know, but clearly, I need, I need a break of doing nothing, which I certainly did. But, you know, the only thing, you know, your friends were saying, you know, you've got so much, so much to offer. I did a coaching um, certificate, and I am an accredited coach. Mm. But, oh. you know, again, it still didn't really do it for me. I mean, I love I love helping people, but the idea of marketing, yeah. helping people, yeah. I couldn't get my head around, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just I didn't have to get up and go. Um, and I kept on thinking, 
it's, it's got to be writing. I still want to do this. I still want to write. And, uh, you know, I thought, well, you know, what do I write about? You know, I haven't got an instant in Harry Potter type inspiration, <laughs> you know, for, for a genius yeah. uh, piece, of, piece of fiction. You know, it's got to be um, non-fiction. What do I know about? I know about business. And I thought, well, you know, can I possibly, possibly write about business when, you know, the actual furniture company had a, in the end of the, you know, yes, it was it was hugely successful and award-winning and everything for, you know, decades, but it also had a sticky end. Yeah, you know, am I yeah. really going to be, um, you know, told where to go if I suggest I write a book about business? Mm. Um I thought, well, you know, you, blah. as you say, you know, it is a get off the bench moment. You know, if this is what you've dreamt about doing, mm. give it a go, give it a try. And they can only say no. Yeah. Um, you know, but I thought, well, you know, I knew what getting down to what I know. It is the scale between one and 10 million that people find so hard in business. I think probably the hard, the hardest leap of all. Yeah. Um, and goodness knows I'm familiar with the problems that come with it and even more familiar with the mistakes you make. Mm. Um, you know, so I can certainly warn people about all the things I did wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, and quite a lot more that I know about as well. And I talked to, to a load of other entrepreneurs because I was lucky by that time in knowing some amazing people with much bigger, bigger businesses than mine, um, you know, and said, would you? possibly contribute um as well to to lend a bit of weight to my own dubious expertise um and they've been lovely and agreed um so putting that together i i've been able to put this book together um to to help people scale their businesses um and then i was sort of halfway through it and i thought you know everybody tells me you cannot get a publishing contract this is going, just going to end up in a draw. What do I do? Yep. <laughs> and, you know, oh, can I self-publish? And that's back to a lot of personal, a lot of marketing. Have I got it in me? And it's also quite um, computery. Uh, not, not, not computery. Computers I can manage. But, you know, I'd need to learn lots of new skills yeah. and way of sort of typesetting yeah, and self-publishing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, oh, I don't know. I don't know. What do I do? Um, so, anyway, to cut a long story short, I... Um, put um three submissions in to publishers um over christmas like oh, goodness was it last year it must have been last year gosh it's been i mean on top of what everything else is going on in the world the crown bus is <laughs> um, it's been a year I, all right I did, so i was just uh, thinking back was that only last christmas gosh <laughs> um so yeah i put i put um, these submissions in and the day we got back i, th I think it was even between christmas and new year I got a contact from Bloomsbury saying, come in for a meeting. Wow. I thought, you know, you've got, got to be joking, you know. And I didn't tell, again, I didn't tell a soul. I think it's funny. It must be a habit of mine not to actually say anything if something's important, <laughs> you know, because it was so dear to my heart. And I thought, I knew it was still so unlikely to get a contract, you know, and it, was, it wasn't going to happen. But to me, but it just didn't go into Bloomsbury's offices. They have this amazing building in London, an old building, really beautiful. 
Um, and and in the, the stunning sort of reception hall, um, which of course they published J.K. Rowling, so there were Harry Potter books everywhere. Oh wow! Um, you know, and you're sort of sneaking a look at everybody else who's wandering through, thinking you know that's probably somebody really famous. Um, you know, and I was just blown away with the privilege of going in there. You know, wow! Um, it was just so amazing. And um, then, you know, sort of jumping through a few hoops, as you do, yep. um, a, f- a few months later, they gave me a contract. And, you know, I, it was just, I mean, it's it's not remotely important to anybody else. But to me, it was it was so, so, uh, so affirming. It was so, so exciting. It was, you know, as you say, it's my passion. I was so thrilled. Well, we come to life, don't we, when it's um, anything mm. exciting to do with our passions? And it, yeah, and we, we we get back in touch with that childhood, you know, um, wonder and the fantasy and the excitement, like we would as a little five year old, you know. Wow, wow, <laughs> it's it's true. <laughs> Although I yeah, I haven't no, right. I haven't lost that at fifty seven, but still, um, I know. What you're... <laughs> But what are you passionate about? I don't know. No, I just mean the wow. I'm, I'm oh, wow about everything. Well, get them, wow, that's yeah, fine. I look, I buy myself a Hot Wheels car and I'm wow. You know? There you are. There you are. Oh, that's good. So that's really, um, yeah, that's really exciting. And I can imagine the feeling being in there and just like, oh, wow. This is like a dream. Would actually be like um, being in a Harry Potter studio, wouldn't it? Like, for, you know, if you're a Harry Potter fan, it'd be. I don't mean, you know, you know when it's like that, like a palace of wonder, you know. Oh wow, mm. this is. Like, it was, wow. it was to me, and and just for reputation, Bloomsbury's got, um, yeah, you know, which which is is sort of so special and so steeped in literature, and you know. It, it, it was just an incredible experience. I was walking on air, I tell you. Oh, I bet. Um, and did you have any imposter syndrome for, so A, when you were writing the book? Because, you know, it's one thing to say, what can I write about? Oh, I can write about this, not write about that. Okay, let's get started. But we all know, because I've written two books, we all know that when you go to sit down, you're all ready and then then your mind starts. You're who are you to write this? Hang on. And then you start researching and you go, oh, there's already books about this. Do you, you know what I mean? And, and imposter syndrome kicks in so bad just when you're about to start, but you push through it and then it kicks in again. Did you have all those kind of <laughs> moments and constant kicking in of the imposter? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I think the worst was trying to do submissions because um, mm. I, I don't know. You, you Did you go the self-publishing route, yeah. get your head around how to do it? Yeah, I just did oh, self-publishing, I'm, yeah. Yep. I'm I'm full of admiration. Um, it was pathetic of me to back off that, but never mind. Um, <laughs> no, but, but look what you got. <laughs> look what you got. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, uh, I wouldn't be complaining. There <laughs> uh, are pluses and minuses to going both ways. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but no, um, I mean, doing the submissions, You when you're doing doing submissions to, to publishers or agents, you have to put incredibly complex sort of submission packs together which take about a month to write in themselves but part of it is is you have to you know come up with similar books and say you know i'm better or worse than this one because wow well um you know to to prove that you know you've obviously got the possibility of making the publisher some money which means you have to pick books that are you know seriously good and say well I'm better than this because and you know that is when it goes into real you know this is a 
joke i can't say i'm you know but this is going to be better than i I mean i didn't use tim ferris or simon sinek but you know it's those sort of people and say you know actually people would much rather read me i mean you know come on (laughs) oh wow that'd be hard it's it's a nightmare yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know if you didn't have much confidence to start with you know you then look at that and think you know i'm i'm gonna stop now Mm. how many times (laughs) did you go to write something and start and and rewrite it and then delete then rewrite delete rewrite with the submissions a long time yeah yeah it it was a real battle wow um and you have to you have to be very salesy, you know. I mean, mm. there's you know sort of sections on author and your platform, and you know why you're going to sell millions, and you have to really sell yourself. And so it's I mean, selling your product, selling your furniture is one thing, but you know, saying I am wonderful and I'm going to, you know, I'm such an expert yeah. and I'm going to sell millions is a whole different ballgame. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard to do. I agree. You know, I, I have a lot of trouble. I, I'm, I'm bloody, I'm going to say it, I'm bloody brilliant at getting people off the bench, you know. <laughs> but, but, you know, when when it comes to um, promoting myself, do you, you know, and, try, and you know, having that opportunity to say to people, well, you know, you can pay me and I'll get you off the bench, you know. I really, I find that almost impossible to do but yeah, and I, I it's terrible it's hard. hard and I keep saying to my partner I'm gonna I think I'll quit this and I think I'll just start selling a product <laughs> because then I just <laughs> I can just sell the product for what it is and I do I often I often go down that path and say oh I'd just rather sell a product than sell me I don't blame you yeah. I mean it is so much easier to sell an inanimate object and particularly or, or a service or whatever but particularly one that you believe in mm. you know Selling yourself is is the is the hardest of all sales, I think. It is, and even if you believe, even if you do believe in yourself, you know, it's still it's. I don't know. It's, it's horrible. But anyway, we, we've got to do it, don't we? And when you said before, you know, you, you're not, not big on the marketing, how would you market your self-published books? Yeah, I'm the same. You know, marketing is a is a bloody nightmare for me too, you know. So it's really hard in my, for me. This is how I find me. I've got a brilliant product, you know, a brilliant service, but... Um, I'm terrible at sales. I'm trying. I'm trying not to say that because I'm trying to get better. And and marketing is God. My messaging is bloody atrocious. You know. And it's it's kind of like it's really frustrating. Do you know how how do I how do I get that really quality thing? You know, to sit up on the shelf there and 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 you know get get moving. But it's um, it's just comes back to that whole nobody wants to sell themselves. Well, not not most people don't want to sell themselves. We'll find it hard. No, it's it is. It's very difficult. I mean, I've I've got one lucky sort of advantage in that the people who contributed to the book are so amazing. So I consult them with great confidence and uh, and their expertise. Yeah, yeah. You know, which it, I mean, I, I I wouldn't be so rude as to call them an inanimate object because they're not. But, <laughs> but you know, it's <laughs> it's clearly easier to, to 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 sell because you've got that distance. Whereas you know, and I I think that was where I was I battled with imposter syndrome because I, I was sort of co- collating narrating and collating this information if you like mm. and it you know I was very conscious especially in the early days and I, I don't think that would be so bad a second time around but you know of should my voice be heard at all here should I you know yeah, because yeah. what words have I got should it just be about all the other people or do I perk up and say anything ever you know mm. yeah I'm glad you're talking about that because it's um, 
I think it's very common. It is common, you know, people feeling that and constantly comparing ourselves and, you know, uh, we're quite, quite, quick to take a back seat when there's other people that we see are more more competent even though they're not do you, well well you know what I mean like they may not be but we no. we we um very quick to say look I'll I'll opt out you know because it's um yeah, these people are, are, are better than me but it's not true but we yeah, comparisons yeah. are well, they're dangerous. There's a, there's a rude phrase that goes with that, isn't there? But it, it really is. It is not good for you. No. I think. No, it's it's <laughs> really not. But it's very hard to avoid. Very, very, yeah, very hard. So hard. with um, yeah. So the, the book's going to come out um, next year in, did I? Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I would love to give you the Australian release date. It's, it's available for pre-order now from Amazon.co.uk because it comes out over here 4th of February. It's February. just been brought forward. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think it'll be that long after in Australia, but yeah, so... Um, um so yes it will be it will be soon which is exciting yeah that's fantastic so guys it's called scale for success now are you um once it comes out are are you going to uh be wanting to do speaking you know speaking or teaching you know or or doing workshops for people and you know because books really are a giant business card for you know making money in other areas you know so I know they were. It's, it's it's such a funny one, in truth, Karen, because um, you know I started this as, as a as a passion about writing, you know, and everybody's going, well, you know, you're just doing it because you know it's good, useful for your business, and I'm going, what business, you know, because yeah. I don't have one anymore, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was about the writing, yeah, <laughs> um, but you know, of course, I, you know, it may well take me in different directions. I mean, one of the things, obviously, I'd like to do is is come out to Oz because. Um, you know, as my my son's now an Australian national, yeah. you know, and and you know he he adores it there. I mean, I it'd be nice to see him, yeah. but um, also you know it'd be lovely to see a country that he holds in that much esteem. Mm. Um, you know, so um, you know, and and if I was coming all that way, it would make sense to to do some work while I was out there, yeah, um, and some speaking and stuff. So um, and I think Bloomsbury, you know, will will have me working on you know speaking given an opportunity yeah. but it's difficult of course with um COVID. you know with the pandemic yeah. because um you know all the normal things for conferences and things uh tend to be off 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 the agenda all the lives are but mm. um you know so oddly enough I, I've, I've because because the publication dates have been brought forward i've been i i got an email on friday i think from my pub, publicity manager but i have yet to speak to <laughs> so I don't know what they've got in mind, but I, I just don't know. I don't know where, what the future holds quite. And I'm because it's been brought forward to February. I'm going to have to think about it fairly soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, or or yeah, you could exciting. just no doubt I'll get off something else altogether. Yeah, or you could just wing it, you know, and just sort of say, well, who cares? Let the journey take me wherever it takes me. I and... think that's exactly what I'm going to do. To be honest, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, I, I think I, I, tra- I travel. I can't at the moment, but I travel around the world. You know, doing speaking and stuff like that and it's um clearly yeah but clearly not now you know at the minute so I've been I've been doing um most of my um what I would be traveling for I've been doing over zoom you know virtual and it's it's just amazing because I've actually got to more countries you know doing um the virtual stuff than than by the traveling but yeah I would have been in Michigan right now and um 
Yeah, so it's oh, wow. yeah, I know, and so I would have been in New York in um April. So I've um yeah, it's really hit me hit me hard. But and it's it's not just um the speaking. You know, I love I I love doing the virtual stuff too. But I, I just love the travel. I really love to be um yeah you know see different places and I love that. But we can't right now. But um you're you're going to have to get used to it, aren't you? You're going to have to start embracing that lovely speaking traveling life. <laughs> I guess I am. Yeah, it's 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 all very weird. It's not what I expected at all. <laughs> As I said, you know, it's it's stunning talking to you and thinking, you know, this, you know, we're we're sort of November now. It's not long till Christmas, and it was it was over just at last Christmas that I put that into Bloomsbury. I mean, it seems so much has happened. Um, yeah, you know, bookwise from there. So yeah, I guess I am. But it's funny, isn't <sighs> it? You say you you will, yeah. And it's funny you say last Christmas. So this is only a year. You know, I'm just thinking about the difference in um, self-publishing and going through a publisher. Do you know? You know, I I I put my book in, and and 48 hours later, do you know, it, it's out, it's printed, you know, or it's it's up and of ready to go. But... It's, it's definitely one of the differences. And yeah. you know, the funny thing is that this is extraordinarily quick. Um, you wow. know, because um, uh, as I say, that, that submission to publishing will be 14 months. Wow. And when I went into um, even that first meeting, I think, with Bloomsbury, I remember one of the editors saying, well, even when we get the final draft and, you know, that, I'm trying to think when that happened, but I mean, probably August, it would be at least a year till you get published. Wow. So, I mean, normally it's, um, you know, through trad publishing, it takes 18 months would be average. Wow. Gee, I, I'm, my first book was Magnificent Kids and it was about kids doing uh, amazing things, you know, world-changing projects. Uh, if I had gone through a publisher, they would have all been adults before the book was out. <laughs> I, no. I, I am aware of that. You know, I, sort of, I, was, I was doing a final edit not so long ago and thinking, you know, is this going to stand up given the pandemic because so much has changed. Yeah. But actually I think, you know, a lot of the, the, the principles are absolutely solid. Yeah. Um, yeah. And quite, quite a few of the contributors are in tech, which hasn't much changed anyway because it sort of, you know, was geared to, to remote working yeah. and everything. Yeah. But but you're right, you know, it's it's very hard to keep contemporary, I think, if you're writing through and, and publishing trad. Um, mm. Mm. You know, it was just a bucket list thing for me, you know. It was, it was a dream, you know, always on the wish list of the, the dream of, you know, have a book published. Oh, know? I think it's wonderful. I think it's, it's and, and you know what, even if it didn't sell, which I'm sure it bloody will, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll do <laughs> amazingly, but even if it, even if it didn't, you know, it's the fact that, as you said, it's a bucket list thing, you, you know, and you did Definitely. it. And, yeah. and I think that sometimes we, you know, when we were talking about getting off the bench, you know, some people are like, oh, I, but I, but I, I'm not sure I should do it because what if it doesn't go anywhere? I reckon who cares? Like the fact that you even did it, you know, that's that's the oh, best bit. Yeah, that is the best bit, and it's um. Yeah, no, I mean, if if somebody buys a copy, it would it would be a bonus. I mean, I genuinely hope it. Oh, so know, do I. It might help one or two people, you know, sort of stop uh, stop some making some some of the mistakes I did. I mean, it was for genuine reason I wrote it. Yeah. But but yeah, from a purely selfish bucket list, you know, I'm here. It's happening. Yeah. It's being published. Wow. Yeah, is that awesome? Know, I am so so lucky. Oh, I love it, and it's you, you're right. You know, I I think of this with everything with the 
the podcast, with my books, with workshops, when I talk, if, if it, only, it only has to affect one person and it's successful. Do you know, if, if something yeah. I say yeah. or share, yeah, exactly, you know, changes one life, then then your work's done. Do you know, it's mar- Definitely. marvelous. Definitely. Well, what about a podcast? You might you might be able to start a podcast next year and um, start sharing a lot of tips. Oddly enough, it, it is at the back of my mind. I mean, I will have to come to you for expert advice, clearly. <laughs> um, but it's it's something, you know, I, I mean, I, that's just come up a few times recently and I'm thinking it's, it's the universe giving me a nudge. Yeah. Um, you know, so so it's a maybe, yeah. definitely, definitely a maybe. And it's something, obviously, I can do pandemic and health and anything else. You know, yeah. you, you just can still do it and enjoy it and, you know, enjoy talking to amazing people. Yeah, that's what I – well, there's not much physical activity in it. you just got to sit in a chair and push a few buttons. Exactly. But, I mean, there's a little yeah. bit of head stress in it. But it's um, but the best thing is, exactly like you said – um. Well, well, sharing information and inspiring people, you know, and helping people to uh, solve problems or to believe they can. But the fact that you're, you're speaking to amazing people and, and all around the world, you know, like it's not just the days of, you know, can you come into my studio and, and sit with me? Do you know, now we can, the internet gives us the opportunity to speak with anybody and it's, yeah. oh, yeah, that's a bit I love. It's such a joy. Yeah. I do too. I mean, I still, you know, I'm still interviewing entrepreneurs and writing about them from my website, you know, yeah. and the internet's made that so incredible. The people you can speak to, as you say, anywhere in the world, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's just fantastic. I've met some lovely people from Australia doing doing extraordinary things, as, you know. Um, mm. It's been a joy. Well, now you've met another one, haven't you? Love Another lovely well, well, person. Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well i think um i think it's um yeah and, and it's what i was going to say is that people are incredible you know you think a lot of people say to me where do you get your your people for your podcast well you know a lot of them are uh, people i know anyway from the speaking circuit and everything else but but um you know there's people like you and others it's just kind of like it's an email one way or the other do you, you know and and some um, yeah. reach out to people and people are always um accommodating and people People want to help other people, you know. Generally speaking, I, that's... I think they do on the whole. I mean, yeah. you know, it's 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 been an, an amazing thing. I think that's where it was sort of something like imposter syndrome can hold you back because you mm. you know you don't ask for help, and and you know it's a mistake because yeah. nine out of ten people will give it and give it freely. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, which um, is incredible. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, now. This is I've been, this has been fascinating, and I tell you, it's uh, you know I, I think you're a huge inspiration to people, you know, to get off the bench. But so not not a but. So eh, 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 so further further to that <laughs> is um <laughs> this podcast. You get tongue Yeah, too. I know. You know, I get excited. That's the problem, and I spit, and I you get really you know <laughs> really excited. <laughs> yeah, it's probably good in the pandemic that I'm sitting in my own little office, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I want to ask you about um, so this podcast is uh, you know about inspiring people to get off the bench and so what advice would you give to somebody who might be let's go down the author track somebody who's thinking that they might have a book in them 
um, or that they'd love to teach what they know about a certain topic. And, and maybe maybe they don't think that people will value what they have to say or, or the imposter syndrome or they don't know where to start, you know, something like that. What, what advice would you give? I I mean, I think, you know, you, you, you'll never know till you start. It is, it is the get off the bench mm. thing that, you know, you've got to give it a go if it matters to you that much. Um, you know, you won't get there by not starting. Yeah. Get off the bench and do it. Yep. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. It's that first step, isn't it? And everyone's scared of that first step, but once you take it, the next one just appears and the next one appears and the next one appears. Yeah. And it's just... Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's great. You know, even if you have a couple of full starts, it doesn't matter. You know, you'll get better, you'll learn your craft and, yeah. you know, you'll get there if you want to badly enough. I agree. Look, the world's um, most brilliant tennis players didn't just step onto the court, you know, and, and they were champions and... You know, uh, Henry Ford, I use this example in my book, you know, he didn't wait until the, you know, the, oh, well, I'm going to make stuff up because I don't know my Fords, but um, I do name one in the book and I can't remember what it is, but the, he, he didn't wait till the 2020 bloody Futura or some crap, you know, he, he's say, saying that, well, no, I can't start now because we're going to have, one day we'll have voice activation and we'll have airbags and he didn't, he didn't yeah. do that. He started with exactly with what he had and he failed, you know, he failed. And so did so many other inventors fail. And I think that, I think that we need to embrace failure as, as just a learning opportunity. It's just giving us feedback to say, well, well, that didn't work. So try again. And it's, um, it, nobody is successful without failure. Nobody. No. You're absolutely right. And I'm going back to authors you've got uh, and, and Harry Potter. Oh, I yeah. mean, I can't remember and you probably can, but how many times she put in a submission with her, with um, the first Harry Potter book? I mean, Stacks. I think it was about, she got about 100 rejections yeah. or something crazy, yep. didn't she? Yep, I, um, I can't remember, but I did that in a, in a, a talk that I did, how, how many she had, but it was yeah. a, a colossal number. and Incredible, yep. you know. And she could have... Um, Given up. She could have given up and said, this is useless, nobody. And, and, and that thing that we all say, oh, nobody wants to read this. You know, nobody likes it. But but once it hit the right stream, look at it. You know, it's a, it's a cult yeah. and it's, um, you know, I think that, I think it's just about, I always say this, every no is one step closer to a yes. You know, and it, yeah, it's such a good line. It is, isn't well it? Well done. It's brilliant. And it's okay yeah. to be, you know, um, because uh, I get like this, sometimes I get dejected, you know, and and I fall off my perch for a day or two, do you, you know, and get all bloody, yeah, oh, I, do, I, I, well. I quit, <laughs> I'm not doing this yet, you know, and, 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 but I think it's, it's, it's not whether you get knocked off your perch, it's about whether you get back up and, you know, and, and sometimes, and I, I say this about resilience too, sometimes we're on the wrong bike. Do you, you know, like if you stop getting back on the wrong bike, but, you know, sometimes you've got to get the dragster out instead of the BMX, do you, you know, and, 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 and ride a different <laughs> bike, but, but just get back up and, you know, give it another crack, but anyway. Absolutely. And again, I think it comes back to if it's your passion. You know, if you care enough, if you want to badly enough, then, you know, you just keep going. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a great quote from um, J.K. Rowling that I, I had sort of pinned in front of me in those uh, early days when I was writing, which is something along the lines of um, it was rock bottom from which 
everything came. I, it's, I, I really must look it up and get it right. But, you know, you, you, you just, if you want to badly enough, you can be at rock bottom and you can dig yourself right up. Yeah, yeah. Do, doing anything from selling stupid furniture to <laughs> <laughs> writing a book. <laughs> oh, well, you've proven it, though. There's so many times you could have given up, really. It's, um, you know. You, you could have you could have not taken on that other all that manufacturing that grotty manufacturing gear and you know you know you could have walked away and but you didn't you stuck at it and it's that's a lot of grit a lot of grit yeah um yes I've lots of things I don't have in the way of assets but um grit I probably do mm. well I think um I remember them saying that in an earlier what what award I won I think I won it for grit mm. <laughs> and I was thinking you know <laughs> how many years it's going to take me to <laughs> win anything for a, a business knowledge or action I don't think <laughs> I ever did <laughs> okay I'll take the grit <laughs> yeah what's well, it's kind of like the encouragement award on the uh Netball team, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> oh, who cares? Who cares? It's, yeah. uh, I reckon there's, uh, you know, a lot of people will will learn a lot from you, and or probably already have. So I think it's terrific. Now, speaking of learning from you and everything else, and following you, because I'd love people to follow you. Where where can we find you? You can find my website, which is jancavell.co.uk. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Jan Cavell is J A N. C A V E double E. Yeah. And what about uh, LinkedIn? And uh, oh, I've got so sort of all the social medias and um, things as well. Do you want, yeah. do you want to yeah. read those out, Karen? Because yeah. you've got them down. Okay. So um, LinkedIn is Jan Cavell. Facebook is Jan Cavell Scale for Success or at Jan Cavell Writer. And Insta is Jan Scale for Success. And Twitter is at Jan Cavell. But I will be putting all those in the show notes anyway so um, people can just, you, you know, check that out and find find where you are. But I hope, um, I hope people go follow you and uh, follow the book and, you know, follow the success of it and read your blogs and all Thank that you. sort of stuff. And Yeah. So, oh, you do have blogs, don't you? I'm just making that up. But you I do. do have <laughs> blogs. I do have blogs. <laughs> I was just assuming. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're quite right. I do have lots and lots of blog blogs, and they all tend to be about business. If I do talk, talk because of, because it's part of business, I do talk about things like imposter syndrome and those sort of things. Yeah, well, they'd be very valuable blogs. So, yeah, fantastic. Well, I have absolutely loved chatting to you. This has been really wonderful, and you know, making a new connection, and you know, it's just um, you've you've shared so many little nuggets in there that I th I think are really really helpful for people, and you know, very inspiring. Well, it's been fabulous, Karen. It's, I hope we keep in touch. It's been a real joy. Well, you don't get a choice. Once you've been on the Get Off the Bench podcast, <laughs> you're locked in. It's like Hotel California. You're stuck. <laughs> That's brilliant. I'm, I'm glad to be locked in. <laughs> you're, you're part of the group now and there's no escaping. <laughs> And that'll do for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, we will stay in touch. And um, and thank you so very much for uh, sharing all your knowledge and wisdom and even your fails, failures with um, my amazing, amazing audience. I've plenty of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of us have. <laughs> yeah. Well, true. But, but thank you so much for joining us. Really, I've really loved this and really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure, Karen. Thank you. All right, we'll catch you soon. Indeed, that will be great. Thank you. See ya. 
Yeah. Oh, geez, I love that. That that was a great interview. It's, you know, it's, um well, for a start, a couple of things is the first, you know, I loved how we were talking about when you're desperate for something, you know, you, you're going to really to do it and and I'm thinking about you know mums having kids at home and you know I don't know what to do I don't want to put them in daycare and everything else you know there are things you can do from home and you can start to make you know a bit of extra money on the side and even if it's just a side side hustle but you actually can do it but I love the bit about the um you know how how things really change when you're doing the thing that you're passionate about so Jan you know doing um being passionate about writing and getting a book out there and and I just loved hearing you talk about um Bloomsbury you know when she was kind of like oh and I went to their 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 place and it was just wonderful and this is the excitement that we get you know when we're doing things in our passion and you know we this this childlike wonder just comes up and and everything is so exciting and I reckon that's the state that we should be in as often as possible. And so if you're doing a job you hate, really start thinking about what is it I'm really passionate about. And even if you do it on the side as a hobby or just bringing you some joy, do it because when we get that childlike wonder and the squealing and the like, whoa, you know, this is so exciting, that's when we come alive. And that is just so bloody awesome to have that feeling and I know I probably do it way too often squealing and wow but you know it, it's it, it's what keeps us alive it's fantastic anyway I really hope that um that interview inspired you and 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 helped you to see that you know things don't, aren't always easy they're not easy when you start a business and and things will go wrong and we will fail and you just can't succeed without having some failures and that's just life and so if we're scared of having a failure which most people are we need to get over it we need to get past it and we just need to put one foot forward and give it a crack because you're going to fail anyway, like there will be failings along the way and learnings and that sort of stuff. But it's not until you get through those and push through all that, that you actually do find success. So, you know, I'm really going to encourage you to take, take a step and, and fall flat on your face. Who cares? Just get up and, and just keep going until you succeed. But find that passion project and just start doing it. Just start doing it because you're going to, it's, just such a beautiful place to be anyway here I go again bang it on so uh thanks for joining me and I have no idea how many people are out there listening and I don't even ever look at the vanity vanity metrics I couldn't care less but I know there's at least one or two or three or 20 I don't know but if some person out there is listening one of you and you're getting something out of this and you're being inspired to take action then my job's done and that's the most important thing so thanks very much again and have a great week and I'll catch you next week see ya hey thanks for joining me it really does mean the world to me now if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au that's info at getoffthebench.com.au Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.